welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of the Fertility Conversations. Today, we're joined by a lovely guest, Julian Filsdad. Julian is the head of the Clinical Embryology and Scientific Operations at Future Fertility. Through her career, she has always had a, a held a passion for innovative uh, art technologies aimed at improving the fertility journey and IVF outcomes. In her current multifaceted role, Julian draws upon her experience as a seasoned embryologist and former life director to navigate partnering uh, clinics through seamless adoption of Future Fertility's AI-powered oocyte quality assessment tools, as well as overseeing Future Fertility's scientific project collaborations. With our extensive IVF experience and comprehensive understanding of the laboratory operations, she also provides invaluable input to the company's product development processes. Julian holds a BSc in biology from the University of Victoria, Canada, and an MSc in Clinical Embryology from the University of Leeds, UK, where she achieved both with distinction. Wow, Julian, <laughs> what an impressive bio. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here. I'm super excited to have a, a conversation today. So um, lovely introduction by you. And um, yeah, I'm excited. Thank you. And it's all you. Wow. Amazing. It's so impressive. I read through all that. And I was like, wow. <laughs> well done. Uh, so to start off, we usually say, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I think you've already done a fantastic job, but um, kind of maybe as you've seen from the bio, I've always been actually really drawn to the medical field and I happened to fall in love with embryology as I was deciding what to do with my undergrad um, in biology and I've been in the IVF space since 2007 now. I started in a boutique clinic on the west coast of Canada and I quickly gained skills as an andrologist and an embryologist and worked my way up to a senior embryologist as I did my MSc in clinical embryology. And I, following that, I was able to um, move into the role of a lab director for several years, which was an extremely rewarding position. Um, lab work will always be you know, extremely special to me. I had the opportunity to have such a huge impact on patient lives and the families that we helped to, to create. So IVF is really uh, my niche. And um, I've been lucky enough to meet many of the babies, actually, that started in uh, in my lab and, you know, under my ICSI microscope. And so that's something that I, I really cherish. But now I'm super excited to be in a new space within the IVF field at Future Fertility and apply all of my previous knowledge and experience um, to be able to have a positive impact in a, in a new capacity to, you know, hopefully um, improve those IVF outcomes that are quite standard across the world, actually. Um, and it feels like now everything's kind of moving towards AI. So I think this is yes. a really exciting space to be in. Um, I've been with Future Fertility for the last two and a half years or so, and I can already see that the attitudes towards AI in general in the population are changing, but especially as well within reproductive medicine, um, just you know, having a shift towards being more accepting and positive and commonplace and understanding that there is a need for AI um, there's really 
so much data that we're sitting on in the lab within our clinics and our EMR systems with the images that we're taking under the microscope or in the time lapse and ultrasound. And we really should be tapping into that information and discovering how we can improve our IVF success rates, our efficiency and our patient satisfaction. So I think uh, just, yeah, super exciting space to be in. And that's kind of a little background on, on where I'm at at the moment. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I love, you know, so many things in, in what you said and, you know, you ending with the fact that you're trying to improve IVF successes and then, you know, help. And that's always something that's very important to lots of people, individuals and couples looking to it or having to explore fertility treatment. So well done. And thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you so much. Yeah. So the, one of the questions, obviously, I mean, for women, uh, Oftentimes when you're doing fertility treatments, we're always told that uh, we can't, um, we can test ovarian reserve by doing the AMH test or checking the antrophological count, but we cannot do anything in terms of checking the egg quality. So how is future fertility changing this? That's so true. Um, we definitely, Future Fertility, wanted to address this clinical issue of not having um, an actual way to assess egg quality. Currently, I think when egg quality is explained to patients, it's a bit of a misnomer because clinics are usually referring to population statistics just based on the patient's age and the quantity of oocytes retrieved, or like you said, they're referring to their um, ovarian reserve and not actually egg quality. Um, so right now, you know, really the only thing that we can do for egg quality is if you potentially freeze eggs is you can look at an online egg calculator and say, okay, you're 35, you froze 15 eggs. This is your potential chances of success. But unfortunately, what that does is it assumes that every 35 year old or patient of the same age has the same quality eggs as the next. And additionally, it assumes that every egg that she has frozen is the same quality as each other. Um, and as professionals, we know that this really isn't actually the case, um, but we've lacked a better way to, to address this um, thus far as each patient is unique and is gonna have their own medical histories and so forth that's going to impact the egg quality. And it's not just based on age alone. So um, as an embryologist, I can mention that I can look at an egg and I can tell you, um, you know, I cannot tell you whether or not it's going to fertilize or develop into an embryo. I might be um, pretty good at determining whether an egg will fertilize once I see it, as most eggs do actually fertilize, but I'm not good at determining whether that egg will then progress and move on to a day five or day six embryo. Mm -hmm. So I'm really only about as good as a a flip of a coin at making that estimation. Um, on the other hand, as embryologists, we have standardized methods and tools to grade embryos and assess sperm quality, which correlate to reproductive potentials, but this just hasn't been possible with the egg. So future fertility uh, with the application of AI and the power that AI brings, um, we've finally been able to provide insights into egg quality. So what our technology can do is it can look at a 2D image of an oocyte or a human egg, and we compare it to a database of over 100,000 images and their reproductive outcomes. So did it fertilize, did it turn into a blastocyst? And we can then provide a new assessment for this new egg by comparing it to all this previous data that our model has seen. 
So these assessments are much more personalized. We're assessing the individual's actual eggs. It's objective as well. Um, and is 100% repeatable. So when the system is presented with the same image, it's gonna give the same result again versus an embryologist. If I look at an egg today and I look at a week from now or two months from now, I'm gonna give you a completely different answer as to how I think that egg might perform. Mm -hmm. So this is hugely beneficial um, to understand egg quality, especially for the egg freezing patients because they usually leave the clinic with very little details of what they have frozen besides you know, total number of eggs mature and how many were frozen. Um, and furthermore, it actually provides missing information for the IVF and ICSI cycle. Um, you know, generally these cycles are unsuccessful. Um, you know, sometimes our success rates are only 30 or 50% of our cases that go through the labs. So um, enabling, you know, having this information enables patients to make much more informed decisions when cycles, you know, aren't successful. And these decisions can be made with the clinical team and, and help direct next steps when you understand egg quality. Um, you know, it might be able to, to tell the patients, you know, should they freeze more eggs? Should they undergo another IVF cycle? Should they change anything about stimulation? So all these things can now be sort of investigated when you understand egg quality a little bit better. Um, and then it's also hoped that future fertility's oocyte insights will provide, you know, eventually the ability to reduce the time to pregnancy by gaining this information early on in a patient's fertility journey. It's so impressive. <laughs> that is so impressive. I mean, that 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 makes such a huge difference, like you said. And and you rightly said, it's hard. I mean, we really shouldn't be comparing every thirty-five year old or every twenty-year-old with the next one because everyone is different. And uh, there there are people that are twenty and uh, already experienced or have a premature ovarian uh, insufficiency. So it can happen at any age really um i mean 35 year old might have perfect egg yeah. quality it might feel like a 20 year old and vice versa so really it's great that with the ai future fertility it's actually being more personalized um as opposed exactly. to just the generalization exactly and i've definitely seen reports come through to future fertility that are that are saying just that you know that we have some older patients um, that have beautiful eggs and great scores. And then I see a young patient and it's just not what you would expect. And if you're freezing yeah. eggs and you don't have these insights, you might, you know, number of years down the road, realize when you go to use them that they're not the quality that you would have thought given, you know, only being 25 when you froze them or whatever it was. Um, so, so I think these insights are, are hugely important for the patient. They are. And I'm glad I also mentioned the uh, fertility preservation egg freezing, because again, that's something that we all discuss and now there's more awareness about that. Uh, so being able to tell uh, if you need to do more retrievals is great because again, you could freeze those eggs and then come back 10 years later, thinking mm -hmm. that you have so many uh, eggs to work with and it might not be the case. Exactly. So yeah. that's great. And how accurate is this testing? So accuracy is kind of um, a different, difficult one to, to sort of explain um, in, right. in you know, terms that are really understandable, especially to patients, but um, accuracy for AI models is usually called um, or explained in terms of area under the curve. This is kind of machine learning jargon. Mm -hmm. uh, and an area under the curve of 0.5 means that accuracy is no better than chance. Okay, so it's a flip of a coin. It means the model is not very accurate. 
Our model right now, um, we've reported accuracies as high as 0.68, um, although that's not, you know, just not 100%, but it's far better than chance. And right now, when you base that compares to what an embryologist is able to do, we're actually 20% better than what an embryologist can do just looking at an egg. So We've tested this, we've given embryologists um, just to test our theory that we're, as embryologists, I can say this being an embryologist, we're not very good at assessing eggs. Um, so we've tested this with more than 50 experienced embryologists from 15 clinics around the world. And we've challenged them to assess a 2D image of an egg and, and let us know, what do you think? Will it fertilize? Will it develop into a blastocyst? And consistently, they're no better than a flip of a coin. They're about 50, 51% chance of making that prediction versus our AI algorithm is 20% better than the embryologist. So that's really actually significant and huge when there's currently no standard of care. Um, I can also say that our system is able to pick up on details that the embryologist cannot. So unfortunately, the, the embryologist is at the disadvantage in that when there's no grading system that's been standardized and developed um, that correlates well with um, oocyte developmental potential, but also um, our system can pick up grayscale and pixels and you know numerous um, bits of information from the egg that as a, as a human, I just can't really comprehend that. We can look at um, the system can look at zona pellucida thickness, perivitellin space, you know, granularity, things within the egg that like too many different combinations um, to then come up with a new assessment. Um, I'll also mention when you talk about accuracy is that we'll never reach 100%. There's just far too many variables that occur between um, being a mature egg and it reaching a blastocyst stage embryo. Um, and we're really trying to do something that hasn't been done before. And we're trying to push the bar by looking at the unfertilized egg versus, you know, maybe other AI systems that assess embryos. They're going to have a higher accuracy and they're at an advantage because that embryo has already developed um, past many developmental milestones versus what we're looking at. So we're really trying to gain information on a key, if not the most important component that contributes to a successful development of an embryo um, versus once you're at the embryo stage, uh, yeah, it's already gone through fertilization and you know, um, cleavage and, and so forth. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure if I fully explained accuracy, but it's a complicated topic. And I think just showing that we are far better than the standard of care currently yeah. and doing something that embryologists cannot do and we haven't been able to do um, is, is, is a huge success and really important. Oh, definitely. I think <laughs> for sure. And I think many, many people, women and men will be really happy to, to hear of what Future Fertility is doing, because like you said, currently there is it's just a flip of a coin. So yeah. having more information or better chances than what it is currently is definitely a step forward and definitely yeah. something that is welcomed. Thank so you. thank you. And um, you know, we spoke just uh, previously about uh, egg freezing. Uh, in terms of egg freezing as well, and, and AI using, using currently at Future Fertility, is it able to tell um, the chances or the probability of the egg uh, fertilizing or perhaps even toying uh, properly in the future for if the person was just freezing the eggs and hope, hoping to then fertilize in the future. Is there any chance that the AI might be able to give any stats on that aspect? 
Yeah, so we've tried to do that. Um, so what Future Fertility has is basically two products. One is called Magenta, and this is aimed for the IVF and ICSI patient. And then our other one is called Violet, and it's for the egg freezing patient specifically. So um, I'll explain Magenta basically provides a score from zero to 10 that correlates with blastocyst development and a higher score correlates with higher quality blastocysts as well. So for the embryologist, this can come be kind of thought of as like gardener grading of embryos where a higher score can correlate with implantation or euploidy. Um, so the higher oocyte score correlates with blastocyst development as well as higher um, graded blastocysts. Um, Violet on the other hand, as I mentioned, is really uh, specific for the egg freezing patient. It's also, um, it's a sort of presented as a prediction versus a score to make a little bit more sense for the egg freezing patient. So it's a prediction of whether or not it'll reach a blastocyst, but mm -hmm. it's based on the same AI model. So nothing is different. It's just presented um, in a different manner. Um, and on top of the prediction that we provide of whether it will reach a blastocyst as well, we've um, added in some statistical modeling. And the statistical modeling is based on national registries for freezing and thaw rates. So these national registries would be like SART in the, the US, Carter in Canada, the HFEA in, in the UK. And we use this data to help provide an estimate of the number of blastocysts to expect post-thawing. So based on these standards, um, and then in addition to post-thawing, so freezing-thawing success rates of eggs that have been added in, um, we add in patient age and euploidy rates to give an overall live birth for that cohort of eggs. So there is some statistics applied, but underlying um, in, is the AI model where we've assessed the individual eggs first. So um, this allows insights for those patients um, far greater than what's available with those online egg calculators that I kind of mentioned earlier, where it's just specifically their age and the number of eggs frozen. Here we're assessing the individual eggs that are frozen pre-freeze um, and then added on the statistical modeling to give an idea of how many blastocysts this patient might expect and what their chances of live birth might be. Um, does that make? Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I'm really impressed with, you know, all that you're saying, because again, for the longest time, we know that the focus has been on testing and checking embryos, and that's the only time we can tell the quality. But for many people, they're just freezing the eggs currently right now. So it's good to know what the chances are. Yes, it might not be 100%, but it gives you better information than what we currently have. And that's really important. Uh, because again, we keep pushing that for the younger generation, we want people to be aware of the importance of the fact that egg quality can decline over the years. So a lot of people are freezing their eggs, but it's also important if they have this kind of information that they know the chances of those eggs being frozen of turning into an embryo or reaching uh, potential live birth. That is a game changer and that makes a huge difference. Uh, and people's journeys and people's options. So thank you. Yeah, for sharing yeah, that. Definitely. I think, you know, this way patients are, are less surprised and can yeah. help manage their expectations when it's especially egg freezing. Um, I've, like I said, seen those reports where there's a younger patient with lower quality eggs and having knowing that up front when you've frozen those eggs versus years down the road um, can help avoid, you know, disappointment and stuff like that, just having a better understanding, as well as leaving the clinic with something tangible, something to refer to, um, and actual images of your eggs um, is, a, is a huge benefit. You feel like you've left there with something versus just a credit card bill and yeah. more 
sites that are personalized towards you. Um, and then you can decide on next steps, you know, whether that's more egg freezing or you're happy with what you have frozen and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And okay. even in speaking about that, uh, I think another aspect is that sometimes, for example, you mentioned about age and the fact that most oftentimes people are compared to the average of the similar age. So oftentimes at age 40, uh, if a woman goes to a fertility clinic, they might recommend donor eggs, for example. And, and that, again, because there's no way to check if their eggs are okay or not, uh, but you might have women that might want to try one more try with their own eggs uh, to see if the quality is okay before proceeding to uh, donor eggs, for example. So again, in this case, will uh, future fertility uh, and the AI, will they be able to help in cases like this for people that want one final chance or try with their own eggs? Definitely. Um, our AI is not going to make those eggs any better, unfortunately, but it's going to give those personalized insights. I think it's a huge benefit to, to those older patients. Um, instead of just assuming that egg quality is poor based on their mm -hmm. age alone. So, you know, if you're 40 or, you know, or older, even um, those patients can now have their own eggs assessed post-retrieval um, and determine if it's appropriate to continue trying with their own biological material um, before making that often difficult decision of moving on to donor eggs. So it can really give that objective assessment of their egg quality. Um, and we have actually just recently shared at the, the previous ESHRAE um, the yeah. conference in Europe there that our AI algorithm is a much better predictor of egg quality than age alone. So we've tried to, to look at that and the age just really isn't giving you good enough insight as to egg quality. Um, I should mention that of course, we cannot quite detect whether or not um, what we're seeing uh, under the microscope correlates with euploidy just yet. So how chromosomally normal are your eggs? Um, but this is also something that we're, we're actively researching to see if um, the quality that we see does correlate to, to chromosomal normality of the embryos that result. Impressive. Very yeah. excited about <laughs> the opportunities <laughs> and what lies ahead. Yes. And for people using future fertility and the AI system, can clinics across the globe use it or do they need to be in certain countries? No, so we've been seeing really great growth of adoption in our technology. Currently, um, we do have CE mark as well as regulatory approval in the UK and Canada, working on FDA as well. Um, and we're partnering with clinics in over 15 countries in North America, South America, as well as Europe. Um, and by the time your listeners hear this, I'm sure we've added even more. Um, it is really a rapid growth, which is excellent. Um, there is a patient section on our website, if anyone is interested, um, which will have up-to-date list of our clinic partners. So if someone's seeking our technology, they can go there. Um, and even just word of mouth at your clinic, if you're interested in it, um, those clinics can definitely get in touch with us. Well, that's great because then patients themselves could see that and tell their contact the clinic to look into that and see if they want to explore that for their own treatment. Definitely. That's amazing. Wow. And what is the best way for, is it just the website for IVF clinics or patients or egg banks to contact you for more information? What's the best way to reach you? Definitely. Um, via our website is great. There are contact forms there, or they can send us an email at info at futurefertility.com or directly to myself, especially if it's someone in the lab, I love to talk to you um, at directly um, julinf at futurefertility.com. 
Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And I know that you've shared so much information today, and I know we are all pretty excited about what you're doing at Future Fertility and the hope and opportunity that lies ahead for women now to uh, see what's happening with their eggs and even for those uh, fertilizing, sorry, freezing their eggs for the future use. Uh, so we're pretty excited. Uh, but just before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Gosh, there's always so much. Um, I think just, you know, in recent light of the, the increases in IVF demand and egg freezing, we know from the national registries and the, the regulatory bodies saying that, you know, the IVF rates are increasing, who mm -hmm. states you know, one in six couples um, are in need of, you know, or have a fertility issue. Um, egg freezing's increased 31% in the last uh, year, I think it was, or 2001 over 2020 in the States. And um, both of those processes is, you know, whether it's IVF or egg freezing is a huge investment, you know, financially, emotionally, from a time standpoint. And I think patients really deserve to have a greater understanding of their egg quality in that process. It's one of the first things patients ask about following an egg freezer, um, egg retrieval, sorry, um, you know, especially as an egg freezer, but um, you know, through IVF cycles and egg freezing, you know, what is my egg quality? How many eggs do I have? And so I think it really makes a lot of sense to finally start to understand that. And, you know, whether that's us, you know, giving that information to the patients, us now being able to maybe do more research on that and so forth to try to make the, um, these cycles more successful. Um, I think AI adoption will really enable clinics to, to make the workflows more efficient and better meet the demands that are coming up for us. Um, there's just not enough embryologists, um, especially mm -hmm. in North America to sort of meet these demands as well as clinicians. And I think AI really has the, the ability to assist us there and also do something that you know some of us cannot do like assess egg quality. Yeah, um, yeah so I think, in addition to that, I guess I would just like to say, you know, future fertility really, our vision is to empower clinicians and embryologists and patients um, to have these personalized insights across their journey throughout IVF. And future fertility really wants to make it easy to adopt our tools and technology. Um, you know, we work really closely with our, the clinics that partner with us to, to integrate and streamline into their current, you know, practices with their microscopes and their incubators um, very easily. So it's easy for clinics to adopt us if you're searching for our technology and um, to bring on this technology, there's you know, no lengthy training process and stuff like that. So it's quite simple. And we just wanna sort of be able to make it available to clinics and patients. And I think as well, um, Future Fertility will strive to um, you know, service other areas within the IVF field and gaps within the process. Um, so there'll be new technology coming out as well to, to assist with that. Wonderful. And that's yeah. a great place to, to, to wrap us up. And thank you so much, uh, Jolene, for coming here today, uh, for speaking to us, for empowering us with this information. And we knowing now that we can go forward and speak to our clinics uh, to contact Future Fertility uh, about this option to so look further into our egg quality and to have more personalized information because again that's one thing that um, many patients want personalized information for them specifically as opposed to just something generalized um, without being specific to their own situation so thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today and for uh, providing more insight into what future fertility is doing and we're really excited about uh, the innovations and just the great changes 
that um, you're going to bring or you're already bringing to the IVF and fertility um, industry. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Ola. It's been a wonderful conversation. I've appreciated the opportunity to, to chat with you today. Thank you. And we look forward to having you again in the near future. Perfect. I look forward to that. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.